Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition. Whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you? Okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. OK, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement. You know, we barely lost the game. I turned it over a bunch. It was how I responded to it, mm. how I reacted to uh, the media uh, and how I didn't take any accountability for my performance. Um, you know, I blamed the fact I was in the hospital all week. Yeah, that was something. I had a staph infection in my leg. But people don't want to hear that. You know, they want the, the, the leader of the team to step up regardless of it's, whether it's your fault or not and say, hey, 
uh, you know, this is my bad. I'm going to work my tail off so something like this never happens again and, uh, and, and make y'all proud. It's intercepted. Picked up by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Hey, welcome to the Shark Effect. This is your host, Alex Molden, once again coming to you. Um, one, thank you for tuning in and, and supporting the Shark Effect. And I just want to remind you guys to please, if you like it, you know, give us a like, a share, and a review. It would greatly be appreciated. Um, well, my guest this week is Ryan Leaf. So Ryan uh, played in the NFL for four years. He was the second pick in the 1998 draft. The first pick just happened to be Peyton Manning. So um, if you don't know about Ryan's story, um, I'm just going to give a quick a quick overview, and then we're going to um, have a great listen because um, it's a phenomenal story, um, and it's a story filled with uh, setbacks, self-inflicted wounds, um, addiction, and the road to recovery. But uh, Ryan Leaf, is a, he's an advocate for those struggling with mental and behavioral health issues, and he encourages his audiences, because he's a speaker, to transform the way they think about mental health issues and addiction. Ryan works to eliminate the mental health stigma and says, asking for help is a sign of strength, not weakness. All right. So without further ado, let's have a listen. Ryan, my man. Hey, thanks for being a guest on the Shark Effect podcast. I'm, I'm super I'm excited about our talk today. Um, you know, you do a lot of uh, inspirational speaking and just kind of giving back. Um, so I'm, I'm very thankful that you're, you know, you agreed to be a, a guest on the, on the shark effect. Oh, you bet, man. It's, it's, it's great to, you know, reconnect. Um, we had you on our, our Sirius XM show a little while back talking about your son being drafted, uh, which I thought was pretty cool coming full circle like that. I played against you in college as well as in the NFL. So, um, yeah, man, anything I can do to help. Well, that's cool. Well, thank you. Well, you know, can you give us, my, me and my listeners, just a little, you know, background of, of you, where you're from? Um, you know, you, you was a, a superstar quarterback in high school and then did something with uh, Wazoo with Washington, Washington State University, took them to the Rose Bowl. But can you just talk, you know, just tell my, my listeners a little bit about you? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm from a small town in, uh, in Montana. Uh, Great Falls, it's, it's called, and uh, kind of give you some perspective. Um, I'm the only uh, Montanan who's ever been drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. So there are more um, there are more first round draft picks in the Molden family than the whole state of Montana ever. <laughs> All right, uh, that's a good way to put it. I usually I usually use Manning. I usually use the, I usually use the Mannings as an example of, of more first-round yeah. draft picks in the Manning family than the whole state of Montana. But, it, hey, 
you know, it's, uh, it's, it's true. Um, I, uh, um, I grew up with a great family, um, was incredibly competitive, uh, didn't drink or use drugs, was just extremely hyper-focused on being a professional athlete. It was my dream. Um, recruited by most of ev everybody, went to Washington State uh, because of Mike Price uh, and what he had just done with Drew Bledsoe uh, at Washington State. And uh, it was, you know, best decision I made, you know, did something that hadn't been done in 67 years, and that's take a, a Washington State team to a Rose Bowl, uh, uh, in 1994, when I was a freshman, I watched uh, your Oregon Ducks uh, go to a Rose Bowl. And I just remembered thinking, um, we can do that. Uh, and, and I made a promise to a bunch of my teammates and my coaches. I said, you know, we're not, we're not going back there until we play in that game. And uh, a bunch of us worked for uh, worked in communications and were asked to go down to to work during the Rose Bowl for ABC because of our communication school. And we, a bunch of us were just like, no, we're not, we're not going we're not going until we go as a, as a team and play in that thing. And sure enough, uh, we got to experience something that hadn't, you know, hadn't been done in 67 years. Pretty, wow. pretty amazing. Greatest, greatest four years of my life uh, as a, as an athlete, that's for sure. That's something. And then, you know, you parlayed that being a, you know, a highly sought after quarterback and you, you come out in the 2008, or I'm sorry, 1998, NFL draft and it was you and Peyton Manning oh yeah and I remember hearing you know everything about you guys you know your cannon <laughs> your arm and you know knowledge and who was going to pick where who was going to go where and Peyton ended up getting drafted the first pick and you were second can you take my listeners just like the amount of uh I guess like that that stress that kind of comes along with being picked, not just in the first round, but like in a top, top three picks. How much is that, you know, like the stress that comes along with that? Or I should say the expectations. Well, I, you know, at the time, I just, I, I thought it was what, how it was supposed to be. I, I thought I was um, the best football player out there. I, I, I did. Mm -hmm. So, I had the same kind of expectations. I expected to walk into whatever organization I was drafted by and pick up right where I left off in college. And that's just, you know, you know, wrecking havoc and, and just running through defenses. I just, for my naivete thought I was going to be as easy as it was. And when I say easy, I don't mean that I didn't have to work extremely hard for where I got. It's just, you got to a point in college where, uh, there's a reason why you're the number one or number two pick overall, because you're really, really talented and you're really, really good. And so I just, I just assumed that was going to uh, continue. So all the expectations and stress that, that people thought were there for me, I had myself, right. I, I expected that. And so when I failed so precipitously, um, I, I did not know how to handle it. Uh, I, I, I was so, upset with myself for not being successful 10 times over from what the media, the fan base, everybody else, because my expectations were, you're going to be the greatest quarterback to ever play. That's the way I, I viewed it. And so not to live up to that or, and more frankly, to, to crash and burn the way I did um, the scrutiny helped exacerbate that part. I didn't ever feel 
uh, an incredible amount of pressure around having to be a success because I assumed and expected myself to be that way. Mm, mm. And when you say like with, you know, having that, that position, right? Because number one, I mean, you're, you're drafted that high and the position that quarterback is a position of leadership. Yeah. Um, did you understand like how, like being just in that position, you're required to lead. And, and, cause I know at, at the time, you, you know, you drafted to San Diego chargers and they, their leader on that team was junior Seau, one of my old teammates. And, you know, he wasn't just a defensive leader, but he was like the leader of the team. Like he was the, he was from yep. San Diego. He's playing for the, he played for Southern Cal. And now he's the, you know, I'm gonna say now, but he was the, you know, the leader of the team. And then now, he was. now you got a young guy coming in, in that position of leadership. Can you talk to a little bit about like how that felt? Well, I, I, I wasn't ready for walking into a locker room where you are a 21 year old uh, kid now needing to be a leader of men who have families who are putting food on the table for them. Uh, I, you know, when practice was over, I was used to getting with the boys and going back to the house and drinking some beers and playing dominoes and things like that. Right. That's just what we had done in college because that's what every, everybody's just these single fun loving guys who are in college. It's different, right? I'm 21 years old. Um, I'm expected to be the leader of the team and uh, you know, I'm and be a leader of men. And I'm, I wasn't that guy, right. I didn't ha know how to be a professional. Um, and instead of just looking at junior and Rodney Harrison yeah. and saying, um, you guys have it figured out. You know how to do it. You know how to be professionals and following them like a lost puppy dog. I just, you know, I, I, every time people were constructively criticizing me, I saw that as an attack rather than someone trying to help me. And I had always been able to overcome no matter what corner I got backed into. I was just always so talented enough. It would overcome any, you know, poor behavior and how I, dealt with any situation. And so uh, I can look back on it now and truly see, you know, the missteps I made. Um, I just, I was not ready to be the leader of men. And it, it, it's rare. It's rare to see young men be able to come into a league and be the leader of men. There's a certain kind of breed. There's a reason why there's only, you know, eight to 10 guys out of 32 in the world uh, each and every year that are really capable of being great in this league. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, at that time, like, it sounds like um, there wasn't, like, there's no, like, playbook when it comes to no. leadership, right? No. There's no, no like, really yeah. playbook when it comes to leadership. And, you know, for a young guy to come in, and it sounds like, man, were you, did you start it? It sounds like you were, like, being, like, you took the, those criticism either from, I'm just saying, from the players as an attack on yourself, Right. Like where you were like, were you taking the coaching or the stuff that's coming from your players? Did you take it personally? Yeah, I've always taken criticism personally. Like, uh, you know, I I, um, I grew up um, really shamed by my by my family uh, and by the public. Right. Um, my local community. I was kind of ahead of my time. You know, Jalen Rose was my hero. 
you know, not, not Joe Montana. Right. Uh, I wanted to be like the fab five, you know, and, and kind of how I behave. And it, it ultimately got me out of that small state and got me to a place where I needed to get to, to be successful. And that's why I was so well received at Washington state and, and at the collegiate level, but in, in that little hometown, I was, I was shamed for a long, long time because of how I behaved and, and, uh, and, uh, who I was and, and, and it was a shameful feeling. So that's, that's, that's PTSD. That's post-traumatic stress stuff, right? Where mm-hmm. you were triggered by those things when it comes. And a big part of that was the media. Uh, I always felt shamed by the media. So therefore I had a really confrontational and uh, chaotic relationship with them forever, forever. If they mm-hmm. wrote anything poorly about me or were critical of me, uh, they went on a list, right? They were, they were, um, so I, I never was truly able to, uh, you know, uh, when coaches w- would do it, uh, I, I, I liked confrontational coaches. I had a, a high school coach that was highly confrontational and I liked that. I respected him for that. I had a, a very confrontational head coach in, in, in football in college and we got along so well. Uh, and then had a really good one in Kevin Gilbride at the beginning of my career in the NFL. Uh, unfortunately, they fired him because of his, his, his confrontational relationship with, with the media and ownership there. And they brought in a guy that was absolutely the most unconfrontational coach you can imagine. His name is Mike Riley. He came from Oregon State. That's right. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it was not, it was not a good fit. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes it's, it's a matter, uh, you know, I, I look at, at the common variable and all of these things and it's always been me. Right. So I know that my issues were the one that ultimately overcame everything to, to take them down the road that they went. But, um, you know, there's a reason why I was so successful as well, because I was supported and, uh, and so well coached for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you touch, you kind of touch on something where it's uh, number one, you like, you took ownership of it. You know, you're saying like the common, denom- the common denominator was you. Did you think like that when you were playing though? Like when you was a 21, 22, 23 year old, was it, did you take it like, hey, yo, it's my fault, or <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the common denominator? Yeah. Or, that, no, or, or I, did that come later in life? That it had to come later in life after I had just been humbled to the point uh, that I that I was. Um, you know, I just, you know, I wasn't the guy that said, you know, I messed up. It's my fault. I'll fix it. Uh, I was the guy that kind of, I pointed fingers, I blamed others. I didn't take personal responsibility or any sort of a- accountability. Uh, I just thought I would compete because that's what I was good at. And ultimately I'm a fucking stud. You're a piece of shit. And I'm going to, I'm going to own you when this is all said and done. That's, that's how I, and it worked for so long in my life that mm-hmm. I just assumed why wouldn't it work now? But when you make it to that level, when it is the absolute best of the absolute best of the absolute best, uh, it's not good enough. You have to be, you have to be willing to, uh, to take things in, to change, to evolve, because it's just not good enough. Uh, you know, you didn't make it here on your own, even though you think you had in a lot of instances. Um, 
that's what's so great about NFL football is it takes everybody. You've been a part of teams that have been successful and one, ones that haven't. And it's when every player on that team is functioning at the best possible level they can together is when you are super successful. Sometimes you have individuals who can change the environment. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning was one of those guys. He could walk into an environment in Indianapolis and change it. Uh, you know, he just didn't become part of the environment. He actually changed the environment. And that's, that's what, that's what, what great quarterbacks and leaders are able to do. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Tell me, man, like when you, you look at your, your career, whether it was um, the beginning, the middle or the end, man, what was there like crossroads that started to just start to come along and it's like, man, it started to kind of derail you. What was well, that I, moment? I, think, I, I don't know if there was actually, you know, well, I mean, I can look back and look at the moment of when I, when I, uh, yelled at the reporter after the Kansas city performance. Um, I played bad. Uh, it was the worst football game of my, of my career, but it wasn't, it wasn't career ending. Right. I mean, it was a a rain. It was a downpour rainstorm. Rich Gannon, who would go on and be an MVP of this league for the Oakland Raiders. He had a terrible day too. Um, you know, we barely lost the game. I turned it over a bunch. It was how I responded to it. Mm. How I reacted to, uh, the media, uh, and how I didn't take any accountability for my performance. Um, you know, I blamed the fact I was in the hospital all week. Yeah, that was something. I had a staph infection in my leg. But people don't want to hear that. You know, they want the, the, the leader of the team to step up regardless of it's, whether it's your fault or not and say, hey, uh, you know, this is my bad. I'm going to work my tail off so something like this never happens again and, uh, and, and make you all proud. You know, I didn't. I yelled at a reporter for writing an article the day before. I tried to show him how big of a man I was. You know, that's to intimidate. Uh, I looked like a petulant child. And it was at the dawn of the Internet and viral videos. And it became a caricature of me. Um, and how I responded every day after that, with I, how I dealt with the media, how I dealt with my teammates, how I dealt with ownership, those types of things. I just, I can't, I, I wish I could go back and look at videos of myself because I know how I behaved and I would just be so embarrassed uh, that a, a so-called grown man could behave that way. But I had everything that I thought made me a success, money, power, and prestige, and that no one was going to tell me a thing. And then I was right. And I can't believe that's the honest to God truth. I deal with it every day because I now I work in, in, in the college athletics and in some entitlement uh, um, situations with, with players that are going to the next level and with people in recovery. And uh, I, I, I witness it firsthand. And I just think I'm like, you know, a lot of times when I hear somebody say something and that sounds like, oh, that sounds like asshole Ryan 1999, uh, that, that throws some red flags up. You know, that, 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 that's what that sounds like. And then I think like, oh my God, it must've been just so difficult to, to deal with me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I can't believe I made it that difficult when I had everything in the palm of my hand of, of what I wanted to accomplish. And that was to be a, a professional football player and, and, uh, and, and compete at the highest level possible. Mm, yeah, man. So I talk about when we both are speakers, you end up, I mean, you travel all over, you know, speaking on, on different topics and I'm on uh, just kind of share like what my son, so you came and you, you spoke with the University of Washington Husky football team um, a couple of years ago. And my son was in the audience, um, Elijah. 
And I just remember him, you know, after that talk and, you know, we're both speakers and, you know, we talk on different subjects and, um, you know, both having a football background and, but what we want to do, like, if it's just one thing, if it's one, one thing or even one person, like the message that you want them to, to get from it, like he got it. And he was like, he said, man, did pops. He said, man, he was such a, a powerful speaker in his message. And I was just like, I was blown away. And I wanted, I, I wanted, you know, just have you kind of talk a little bit about, you know, life, you know, after, after football and how did that look like? Cause I know there's a, some winding paths in there. Well, what, what it, what it turned out is, is that I was dealing with a mental illness uh, for how long, I don't know. Right. Uh, I was at this point severely depressed and I was uh, in my final stop in the NFL was, was, was with the Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I felt incredibly sad. I had a hard time getting out of bed. Um, I felt lazy. Um, and instead of going into Mike Holmgren's office and telling him all these things, um, I just, I just, phoned and said, I quit. You know, this is something I'd wanted to do since I was four years old, probably. And now I played five seasons and I was just like, okay, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't tell anybody uh, what's going on. Uh, I'll look like a big, big wuss, uh, you know, weak. I'm supposed to be the big, strong football player and quarterback. And also I wasn't going to be the starter. And I was like, I'd always been the starter. For me, that was almost as demeaning as anything else. So I had all that going on. And I, instead of telling anybody or confiding to anybody and being vulnerable enough to tell anybody that, I just quit. I would have liked to think if I would have went in and said those things to Mike Holmgren, he would have said, all right, let's, let's, let's go figure out what's wrong and, and, uh, and help. I really hope he would have, um, I think there's there's evidence to the contrary that in the NFL, when you uh, expose yourself in any way, shape, or form like that, especially during our tenure of playing, it doesn't go mm -hmm. over very well. Uh, you're you're kind of called names, and you're most likely jettisoned out of the league pretty quick. Um, so I just thought the best answer for me was to to quit, um, not be criticized anymore. Um, and I would just, you know, I could, I could ride off into the sunset in my own way because I still had all the things that made me a success and that's money, power, and prestige. Like I talked about the prestige was a little bit tarnished now, but Hey, you know, former first round draft pick and quarterback in the NFL is still going to carry you a long way. What I wasn't, what I wasn't ready for was, you know, the fact that I was drafted alongside arguably the greatest to ever play Peyton Manning, uh, who will be inducted into the hall of fame this year. And every April, my name gets brought up because of the expectations that were there and because who I was drafted alongside. Uh, I'm considered one of the, the, the worst busts ever in draft history. And, you know, for somebody who cares so much about what other people think of him, uh, it was devastating to hear it ev everywhere all the time. And, it, and, t and I started to believe it. Like when people started calling me busts and failure and everything like that, I, be I believed it. Now, on top of the depression I was already dealing with, um, you know, I was in a perfect storm for everything to just to to combust. 
and I was in Vegas for a fight because I'm still a guy that that wants to be known as, as successful, right? So if I show up and I look the part of being the millionaire and uh, and how I, how everything's fine in my life, that 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 for me made things right. Uh, I, you know, um, they were introducing they were introducing uh, celebrities in the audience at the at the at the fight. You know, Tiger Woods and Charles Barkley and Dr. Dre and the whole crowd applauds, and then they announced my name at ringside and the whole MGM grand just booed and hissed. And uh, it's not like that hadn't happened before. I mean, you played, you played in opposing stadiums, you know, you get booed, but you're wearing these, you know, you're wearing shoulder pads and helmet and it's like armor and it almost kind of emboldens you. Um, My mind, which is an addict mind, because even though I had never taken a drug uh, up to that point, um, I was still a drug addict in the way I thought, the way my brain worked. And uh, so my brain heard, uh, not only you were a terrible football player, Ryan, but you are a, a horrible human being. And, uh, you know, sure enough, that evening, an acquaintance of mine offered me some Vicodin. Um, it's a drug I'd been introduced to because of all my orthopedic surgeries from playing, and it worked. It always worked. It's an orth- it's a opioid painkiller, mm-hmm. and it always worked for me. Uh, this would be the first night that I would abuse it with some alcohol. And I was in parties in Vegas where there were Super Bowl champions and Hall of Famers and um, places where I always felt judged and less than. And I took this a couple of these pills and I drank it with the alcohol and I didn't feel any of that. I didn't feel any judgment. I didn't feel any fear. I didn't feel less than. I didn't, I didn't feel necessarily any better. I just didn't feel anything. And I think I'd been searching for a long time um, uh, for a way not to feel anything. Mm. And I found the answer. Uh, and that night would start uh, about eight years of absolute um, chaos and chasing that feeling of not feeling anything until ultimately um, I ended up in my hometown, um, pretty much broke, um, um, a straight drug addict, you know, a junkie, searching for pills every day, uh, figuring out a way to find them until I was ultimately arrested for, for criminal activity uh, to feed my habit. And I would go to prison for 32 months. And while there, I did nothing to improve myself. In fact, I was more angry, more judgmental and fearful. Uh, it just proved the fact that I, I was a drug addict long before I ever took a drug because none of that existed for me in there, but I was still this miserable, angry, judgmental person. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, my higher power showed up in the form of my roommate. He was a Afghan Iraqi war veteran who, uh, um, who had made amends for what he'd done uh, and tried to better himself every day he was in there. And uh, he must have felt comfortable enough one day where he confronted me about my poor attitude, poor behavior, and understanding that I had value, not only for the men in there, but for when I got out. Because he said, Ryan, you're going to get out at some point. A lot of these men in here won't. What are you going to do with that? And so he suggested I go down to the prison library with him and, and help prisoners learn how to read who didn't know how to read. I have had many of those come to Jesus moments in my life, uh, coaches, mentors, family. For whatever reason, I didn't I didn't listen. Um, maybe because the substance had been out of my system long enough, but I, I acquiesced. I went with him. I, I did it begrudgingly still. I remember walking down the hallway in my red jumpsuit thinking, this is stupid this isn't going to help me. Doesn't he know how important I am? 
the irony of that is the guy in the red jumpsuit walking down a hallway in prison still thinks he's important. Um, and I walked into this room where there were 50 year old men uh, who in a, in a place where you're supposed to show no vulnerability, um, be vulnerable and look at me and say, hey, I need help. Can you help me learn how to you know, help me read? And I don't think I'd ever heard another man say that in my lifetime, ever. You know, growing up in Montana with a cowboy culture that exists around ranchers and everything like that. My grandfather was one. Uh, I grew up on a farm, um, farming community. And then you walk into locker rooms and we just, we never hear our peers in locker rooms, especially during our generation, Alex, where they say, hey, I'm really struggling here. Can, can somebody help me? We've just never heard it. So I think it's the first time I'd ever heard it and it really changed my, my perspective on things. And I continued to go back and help these guys. And of course, it turns out they're helping me in return because we're both in this terrible place, prison, uh, and we're both being vulnerable with one another and trying to help each other through an incredibly adverse time. And uh, I notice things starting to change. I notice I'm, after a couple of weeks and a month, I'm, I'm more personable. I'm I'm talking to my family, I'm sleeping better. And I realized that I was being of service to another human being for the first time in my life. I used to think what I did on Saturdays and Sundays was, uh, was me being of service, which is, which is absurd. Um, but also if you don't keep doing it, right? If I went for one day uh, and never went back, you know, nothing would have changed. I would have been the same uh, individual I'd always been, but it's like practice. You know, if you don't practice and practice and practice when the big moment and the big game happens, you're not going to be prepared, not going to be ready to execute and do it well. So a few months passed and now the TA, the, uh, the TA for the substance abuse counselor. And I just know that it's going to have to be the foundation of who I am when I get out or nothing is going to change. And then I walked out of that prison uh, on December 3rd, 2014. Uh, the only two people there to pick me up were my mom and dad who unconditionally loved me. They didn't care if I was a famous football playing son or, or anything. They just wanted me to be safe and happy uh, and at peace. And as we drove away, I didn't have any idea what was about to happen. Had no resources, didn't have any job opportunities. Uh, had a credit score of like 500. Women weren't like lined up around the corner to date me. I, I just had nothing. I had this hope that had come from the work I had done in prison there. And so I followed that each and every day, one day at a time until, um, you know, the promises started to happen. And, and that is a promise that if you do the next right thing, amazing things can happen. And that's what has transpired over the last nine years for me simply doing that, not looking too far into the future or ever looking in the past anymore, other than to remind myself that, hey, if you don't do the next right thing, this is where you go. This is where your best thinking takes you to a prison cell. So you need help, you need to surrender, you need to accept help and you need to be of service to others. And that has been the life's mission for the last nine years for me. Uh, continue to make it not about myself, but to make it about other people and that tends to lead to good things for me. It's an interesting concept, um, one that uh, um, doesn't cost you a thing to be self-deprecating about your past, um, to be uh, accountable uh, about what's gone on, um, 
And, and to be honest, it doesn't cost you a thing and it gives you so much. And I found that to be true. And so when someone like you, a uh, former colleague and peer of mine, uh, part of the NFL Brotherhood, um, uh, reaches out and, and wants to have a dialogue, I mean, that's what it's all about. It really is. It's, it's exactly what uh, I hope for because none of my peers who I ever played with use the word bust. It's always the media and it's always fans because you and I both know how extremely difficult it is to get where we got and to do what we did. Uh, and if we ever looked in the mirror once and saw ourselves as a failure, it would be an absolute lie. Uh, and it's important to be a support for one another. So that's, that's exactly what my post, uh, career, post you know, career has looked like since the NFL and, and really post prison. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for everything that's happened. I didn't think I'd ever be able to say I was grateful for having spent 32 months in prison, but uh, I am. I'm grateful. I don't recommend it, but, uh, but I'm incredibly grateful for it. Such a powerful story, Ryan. And, you know, for my listeners, this is somebody who's, you know, who's been to the mountaintop yeah. and who also has been in the valley and who's come out for the better. Now there's a couple of foundational principles I believe that are in what you just heard from, from Ryan. And I talk about it often with my alignment, assignment and adjustment. And it sounds like Ryan, like your, your assignment has shifted where it was playing football but then at the end of the day, the bottom line, and you learn that from your cellmate is helping others. Yeah. And it's what it's all about. Cause it, it, it could absolutely. just, it, yeah, it could never be, this is the best way I look at it. It could never be about me again. It had to be about, uh, it had to be about other human beings. So once I remove myself from the equation, um, like, powerful and good things start to happen. So um, it's important that I keep that. And then when I had a son, then that just, that just got reinforced. Like, like I knew once they laid him on my chest uh, that morning when he was born, that like everything I do from this point on is going to be about uh, him and her no longer like this, this selflessness, just this wave of selflessness just floods you. And it's something that you'll never, I, you know, you'll never understand until you become a parent, I think is the best way to put it. Absolutely. That's why I got eight. <laughs> Man, I, don't all know, that, all I that, have no idea what uh, to do being a father of one. You are, dude, you are a, a special individual. Dude, sir. that's the, 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 the well, having one is the toughest, but like all that, that, that selflessness, it just keeps on flooding. Yeah. Um, Ryan. So, you know, I, I just talked about, you know, uh, you know, alignment in your assignment, like it sounds like you are dead on with your assignment. I'm, I'm interested to hear like, what is your alignment? Meaning what is your foundation now as opposed to in your past? Is it family, uh, is it faith, is it career? It's, 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 uh, it's accountability, uh, community and spirituality, I think is the, those three pillars. That's, that's what leads to it. Accountability is, is flat out understanding that, you know, owning your stuff, 
no matter what that looks like. Even when people think you've turned your life around and things are better and everything like that, you're still human. You're still a flawed human being trying to be better every day uh, and understanding that. So that's where the accountability piece comes in. I think that's the forefront of everything for me. Spirituality is the understanding of something greater than me out there. I think for the longest time, I just saw myself as so much more important than everybody else. But uh, I don't, I'm not necessarily religious. Uh, I kind of steal from all religions, all the good parts. And the uh, uh, best, best part I can think of is that, that there is a God and I'm not it is the best way to see, view mm-hmm. my spirituality. Um, and then community, you know, uh, for the longest time, I thought I was better than everybody else in my, in my drug addiction. I was, um, I distanced myself and I isolated. I didn't want anybody to know about it. Uh, and now I'm part of a, a community that just grows larger and larger and larger. I, I didn't for the longest time feel like I deserved to be, uh, you know, in the NFL brotherhood because I, I didn't, I, w- I didn't live up to expectations. I wasn't successful in my mind. The average length of a career is what? 2.8 years. You know, I played five. I mean, that's, that's something I mean, to be said. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's so weird how you look at things through the optics of how others view it. And I started to believe in that in the community that I've built uh, and I continue to build uh, and it grows and grows and grows. Uh, you know, it just so happens. I, I do a serious XM radio show. You come on to talk about the great accomplishment of your son. And of course your career. And that stems into a relationship with you and I once again, and, uh, and something like this. So that's, those are the things, those are the interconnections. That's the community that I'm talking about uh, in terms of what my alignment looks like. If I align myself with my accountability, my spirituality and, and community, um, then my assignment, um, my forward motion is, is already dictated for me. I don't have to, I don't have to um, figure anything out. It's kind of laid out in front of me and I, I can follow that path. Mm, I love that. And then like talking about your story, man, the, the adjustments that, that needed to be made in your character. And for a lot of us, you know, it takes a long time, especially if you've had a certain amount of success and your abilities can, can kind of cover up those mishaps in your character. And you finally had that from listening to you come straight ahead when that interaction with your cellmate, yeah, after you start to get to know you, and then just end up confronting you about that. And then, and then from, from listening to you, it seems like, man, that was an adjustment that needed to be made. And maybe like in that environment, that's exactly what you needed. Because if you would have kept on going the way you were going, you might not be here, you know? Yeah. In different no, environments, I- and, and the most growth comes from not when the environments, when things are perfect when things are nice, the most growth comes when you're at your lowest, all right? I've learned a lot in, in this, you know, from, from my, you know, from my career, my football career, from the injuries, you know, I've learned so much when I've, when I'm at my lowest point. And so yeah, I, I think want to hear a little bit about your, how you, the different adjustments that you made in your life. Well, I, you know, it just, it, it, the biggest adjust, adjustment is, is, is being accountable, looking in the mirror and going, okay, Ryan, you're here because of what you've done, not anybody else. And once you can remove anybody else's blame and stop playing the victim in anything, there's nothing that can stop you from moving forward because you, you can't blame anybody 
anybody else but yourself, right? You are in control. You have a choice to deal with any situation in a healthy, positive way or in a negative and toxic one. The healthy, positive choice is harder. The negative and toxic one is easier. You know, it's, it's easy to blame and be fearful and, and anger and all those things that exist. It's harder to take the high road and, and make it about love. And so that's, that's been the shift. That's been the change, you know, fully understanding that I actually control um, my situation uh, where in a world that takes so much control away from you, this is something that you truly can, can dictate um, and makes you feel like you have a say, uh, you know, you do your part, you be part of the solution and then you stay out of the result, you know, because you can't control that. You can't control how other people are going to behave, act, speak, any of those things. You can just do your part. And, and so when I do that, I'm able to lay my head down at night uh, and feel like I, I did everything I could today. And if I didn't, and there were things that I um, messed up on or, or need to make amends for, that's a different, that's a different perspective than I've ever had either. You know, the willingness to actually address uh, yourself and have some self-awareness. Those are the things that have shifted and changed over the last nine years. Definitely. Mm, yeah, that's good. Ryan, what's the most important lesson you can give young athletes from your, from your story, like to take away from it? That just because you're a great athlete doesn't make you a good person. Um, and if you build that foundation first, uh, I guarantee you that the other will follow. I, I really, really do. Um, also, the, the idea that uh, um, about making it about somebody else, like everybody's going to make everything about you. It's always going to be about you. This pedestal is going to rise. The consequences aren't going to necessarily be as severe when you mess up. Uh, there's going to be a lot of enablers. If you can, if you can remove yourself from the equation at least once a week in some way, shape, or form to be of service to others, uh, that that it's not about you, I think that will go a long way uh, as a perspective, you know, elite athlete at this level, right? Making it about somebody else um, rather than yourself, because like I said, everybody's going to. It's going to be all about you for the foreseeable future until it's not, uh, essentially. So. Uh, if you can, if you can make that a point, uh, make it a goal to do something that, that removes yourself from the equation to help somebody else to be of service before any of this stuff takes off, like before you become an NFL star, um, that, that will go a long way. So that's usually how I work with, with young athletes. Uh, I talk about those two things about how, you know, you may be a great, a great athlete, but it doesn't make you a good person. And you should know that better than anybody that, because uh, you look at yourself in the mirror every day. Um, that's, that's the, the, the path I, I tend to walk with young athletes who are, uh, looking for some information or looking for some guidance, um, with the journey they're about to encounter. Man, this is, man, Ryan, this has been so powerful. Um, thank you so much. How can my listeners get more of you? I know you're, I mean, you're a speaker, um, you know, you're on Axiom. You know, you talk about college football and pro football game, but in terms of like speaking and, and whatnot, right. do you have a, is there a website, is uh, social media that my, my listeners can can go to and get more of you? Yeah, uh, you can you can reach me on all the social media platforms at Ryan D. Leaf. And then uh, my website is is called the Ryan D. Leaf dot com. And that really gives you an idea of 
what I'm up to, especially around the speaking aspect of things, uh, work in uh, recovery and mental health, uh, being an advocate for, for those that struggle. Um, and, and then I get to enjoy um, something that I really loved, and that's football, right? I mean, for the longest time, I saw it as toxic. And so I, I get to call games for ESPN, and I do a lot of work with SiriusXM, um, doing some analysis around college and NFL football. So, yeah, um, those are the places best. My DMs are open on all my sites. If you are uh, ever struggling with anything and you just simply want to reach out and tell somebody else, doesn't mean you're committing to anything. Sometimes it's just incredibly freeing and healthy to, to be able to tell somebody else that, that you're really struggling and you need some help. So um, that's, that's really what I've been doing. And then, you know, over the last year, I've become like a stay at home preschool dad, you know, because, you know, the, the, the pandemic, especially here in LA shut everything down and we've been quarantined like crazy. So, you know, trying to be the best, best dad I can, which, um, which is the, the best thing I'll ever do. And it starts with you being the best person you can be, right? Because yeah. you were the person first, right? So this is, I, I love that because it's like, you know, being the best person you can be will help you become the best father, the best well, it's pretty husband, cool. boyfriend, best, uh, um, you know, co-worker. But it well, starts it's, with- it's, it's interesting, like, you know, it's a pretty selfish program in your recovery because you, you need, you need to put yourself first in terms of everything you do around your mental health and uh, your recovery, because if you don't, uh, you won't be worthwhile to anybody in your life. But if you do all those things and you put yourself first to do the things you need to do to make sure it's the best version of yourself, then your family, your son, your significant others, the people in your life, they get the best possible version of you. And that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Mm. So good, man. I appreciate you, man. Hey, you got it. Hey, Ryan, I got to have you on again, man. This is All great, right. man. I really appreciate your time and your uh, being so transparent. So thank you very much, my man. You bet. Tell Elijah, congratulations. And I appreciate you sharing that story with me. It's meaningful to hear that, uh, that my story had some impact with him. So that's great. Absolutely. All, All right, right, man. man. Have, a great, have a great weekend. All right. You too. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, 
recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter, developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes, but I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different, okay? So make sure, check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition. Whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure, check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.